Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you to look at your word that you have given us so that we will know how you want us to live, how we are to live. We ask you to bless this time as we open it. Give us a great time as we worship you through the word in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, we're continuing in, in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murdering, drunkenness, reveling, and the such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, now this is not a complete list of all the bad things you could do by any stretch of the imagination, but it's bad enough. So we want to look at this. The very first thing it says in verse uh, 16, but I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. This is a command from God for us to walk in the spirit. And we will not commit the lust of the flesh. And we've talked about that. The more we know God, the more he's part of us, the more we're walking in him, the less sin we will do. Not because I choose not to sin or because he works out of me. And this is what he says, walk in the spirit. How do we walk in the spirit? It means we spend time with him. We spend time with him in prayer. We spend time with him in studying of our Bible, reading our Bible. We walk with him by being with other church people and, and being in church and Bible studies. And we've said this over and over, just coming to church isn't the answer to this. You can come to church your entire life and not be a Christian. You can come to your church your entire life and not get any better. But when you come to church and you really want to walk with God and fellowship with God and his people, you'll see your life change. And this is why we encourage people, read through the Bible. Don't just pick and choose through the, through the Bible. I'll read this page today and this page tomorrow and this page. We want to read the whole Bible. In Sunday school today, I got to substitute and we taught a lesson that we probably never, rarely ever will preach on. And we talked about Lucifer. <laughs> His orange, his oranges, yeah, his origin <laughs> and his fall. And, and in Isaiah where it says, they will look upon him and say, is this who made us tremble when, when, they stand, when he stands before God? Now that's not a message you will read and if you don't read your whole Bible, you probably would have never read those verses. Are they really important? Yeah, I don't know if they're really important, but it is good to know different information about things to know the origins of Satan, to know that he's a created being. You know, how many times have you run against people, or maybe you even believe this yourself, that Satan is the, ad, the equal and adversary of God? And he's a created being. God could take Satan out with just a blink of the eye and say, you no longer exist, goodbye. <laughs> okay, But he uses Satan to test and try. So he's being used. But we want to just we want to look at this. Walk in the spirit. And the very practical thing, because this is a command, we walk in the spirit by being where the spirit is doing things. If you want to, and people will tell me all the time, well, I can worship God on the mountain, I can worship God on the lake. You're absolutely right, you can. 
My next question to them is, are you? You know, are you worshiping God on that mountain? Are you worshiping God on that lake? And usually, if they're really honest, the answer is no. And I can guarantee, as I've said, going to church is not the end all. You're not going to be perfect because you come to church. But I can guarantee if you don't come to church, you don't spend time with God's people, you will drift further and further away from God. It's a guarantee. You can't sit there by yourself and stay close to God. It just won't happen. Because it's very easy for us to get in the flesh when we're by ourselves. But when you're with others, you get encouraged. You get built up. You get challenged. The greatest thing that I would love to see us doing is when we come together to meet, to hear people go, you know what I read in this week in the Bible? You know what God showed me in the Bible this week? I would love to hear people say that because you know what? I've heard some of the greatest things out of the Bible from people who are just reading the Bible and God shows it to them. I, when I teach a class on how to study the Bible, I tell people the very first and foremost tool that you have for studying the Bible is prayer. Ask God to illuminate it. And the second tool is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can teach you everything you need to know from the Word of God if you will allow Him. Now, the fun thing is when you get to know how to use the other tools, you'll know that the Holy Spirit taught you right. And you can prove it. Okay, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. When you read the scriptures, he will illuminate and, and reveal what's been in the scriptures. All you've got to do is ask. You walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because you cannot be walking with God and sinning at the same time. You make choice one or the other. You're going to do one or the other. You're not going to do both. When you've got God in you, and you're following God at that moment, the Spirit rules. When you decide to let your flesh rule, you're not walking with the Spirit. You basically told God, get off, the, get off the throne of my heart, and you go sit in that closet over there you know, and hide until I need you again. Now, we probably wouldn't be quite that blunt, but that is really what we've done. God, just go, go hide over in the corner until I need you, and when I need you, I'll call you. That's not walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is having him guide, him lead. And the only way we're going to know where he wants us to go is through his words, being with his people, being challenged. And this is very important for us, walking in the spirit. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another and you cannot do the things that you would. <laughs> Paul in Romans goes in a long passage where he says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I, I want to. Oh, woe is me. And he goes on for a whole, whole chapter being very upset about not doing what he wants, you know, because in his, in his spirit, he wants to serve God. And hopefully, when we're a Christian, we want to serve God. It's, and it's too bad so often that we don't. Why? Because we're not walking in the spirit. We're not walking with his people. We're trying to do it on our own. And when we try to do it on our own, we're walking in the flesh. And we've covered this many times. The flesh wants to do what's wrong. Now, we can discipline our flesh and say, you're going, uh, I'm going to make you be good for a while. But the flesh still wants to do what's wrong. And we can prove that. If you do something wrong and somebody asks you, especially when you were a kid, <laughs> did you do something? And you know you're going to get in trouble when you say yes. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to say, not me. I didn't do it. It's a guarantee. That's the first thing you want to do. Do something that says, I'm not going to 
get out. The flesh wants to do wrong. When somebody does something wrong to you, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to get back at them. That's the flesh running up and saying, I'm going to get, get back at it. I'm going to make them pay. They, they're going to get what they deserve one way or another. Now, when we're walking in Christ and walking in the Spirit, we can have the, the love of God show. But the flesh and the Spirit are at war. When we become saved, God gives us a new spirit, a new heart, a fleshly heart that wants to do right, desires to do right. But we have the flesh. We have the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the, and the lust of the eyes <laughs> that are warring against the spirit. And God is saying, walk in him, study with him, spend time with him, spend time with his people. The more we do that, the more of God will work out of us. And the more that he works out of us, the better off that we'll be because we won't be desiring this sin. The spirit will be stronger. You know, there, there's the old adage that a guy has two dogs, a white one and a black one, that are always fighting. And then somebody goes, well, which one wins? And he goes, the one that I say, tell him to sick him. You know, and that's pretty much true of us. What are we feeding? Are we feeding our spirit or are we feel feeding our soul? And this is why it's important for us to get into the Word of God. And I'm going to say, reading the Bible is better than not reading the Bible. Studying the Bible is better than just reading the Bible. Because it is important to really dig deep. This book, and the ones you're carrying in your pockets and hands, this book is how we need to live each week, each day, each, each minute. It is God's Word. It's His truth. And every word in that is correct and true. And the, Dr. McGee used to say in his radio show, if I, if I disagree with the Bible, then I'm wrong. <laughs> okay? And we need to get to that attitude. You know, if we disagree with anything in the Word of God, we need to study and find out why we disagree and find out why it's right. Because it's right. If any part of the Bible is not right and not correct, we might as well throw it away and live like we want because it's worthless. It's either God's complete, infallible, true word that I can count on to live by, or I just throw it away and just live the way I want because there's nothing I can put my faith in. And it's important for us to get to that point. It's always right. We need to feed our spirits. How do we feed our spirit? We feed it by reading his word, getting into the word. This is our food. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he goes, I've got food that you don't know of. And he was referring to the scriptures, the spiritual food that fills and builds our spirits. Do we need good, strong, healthy spiritual bodies? Yes. How do we get it? Same way we do in, in our flesh. We eat. <laughs> the only problem is we eat the word. You know, if you're not eating the word or you're, you're coming to church once a week or less than once a week, your spirit is probably emaciated, not being fed at all. And I've already told you all, I have this weird picture of our spiritual bodies in heaven showing exactly how much we fed it or didn't feed it. You know, but you know, when you're not in God's word, I hope you know it. If I get myself so busy that I've spent the day and I haven't been in God's word, I feel it. I feel that I have starved my spirit, just as if I had not eaten all day, which unfortunately I do too often as well. <laughs> you know, not enough, obviously, but... <laughs> But we need to feed our spirit. And that is getting into his word daily. Spending time in prayer. 
And prayer is not just me going to God and say, God, I want, I want, do this for so-and-so, and do this for so-and-so, and I need. That is not what prayer is all about. On our prayer guide, we had a little acronym, AXED. Adoration, adore God. Confession, which probably should be number one. It should actually be cats, but the guy who wrote it put AXE, so we'll, let, we'll use AXE. You know, C, confess. Confess your sins. T, thanksgiving. Give God thanks. Do you realize that most of us probably forget to give God thanks so frequently for the things he's done? You know, we got up this morning. We're still alive. That's something to be thankful for, for some people more than others. Uh, you know, but we were able to get to church. We were able to read his word. I, I was thinking this the other day. I go, the worst thing that I could think of happening to me would be to go blind where I couldn't read God's word and study his word the way I would want to. And then the last part is supplication, giving God the requests. We need to spend time with him, listen to him, get into the word and listen to God. God still, still speaks. He still directs. He still guides. He will still fill your mouth when you open it. He told the apostles, don't worry about what you will say to men. The Holy Spirit will feed you, fill, fill your mouth. And I can't tell you how many times when I've witnessed to somebody that it is the Holy Spirit filling my mouth because I don't have the answers that I... Now, that doesn't mean we don't study, we don't get into God's Word, we don't try to prepare. We need to prepare. We need to put something in there for the Holy Spirit to touch. But I have studied many different ways of doing evangelism. There's all kinds. There's the Roman road. There's faith. There's you know, the way of the Master. There's all kinds of ways to present the Gospel. And I've studied a lot of them. I don't use any of them <laughs> completely. I use bits and pieces of all of them because the gospel is such an easy thing. We are sinners. <laughs> you know, how we get that convinced to them, there's all tons of verses on how to get them convinced. We deserve hell. Jesus came and paid the price and has a gift for us that we need to accept. The gospel is four points. <laughs> four easy points. And how you present them is up to you. If you're not going to understand that you are a, are a sinner, then there's no, you have nothing to be saved from. If you don't know that you deserve hell, and every one of us deserves hell, because the wages of sin, singular, is death. And all of us are born sinners. And all of us have committed at least one sin, if not one sin a minute or one sin an hour. We've all committed sin. Jesus went to that cross to take all sin, all diseases, all the consequence of sin upon his body on the cross so that he could hand us eternal life. It's an amazing. The gospel is so simple. But we need to be walking in the spirit. We need to then walk in the spirit to be able to be able to talk to people, to listen to God, to tell people the message. Because it is so critical. It is critical to give that message because sin abounds. Why does it abound? Because we want it to. We talked earlier today, you know, one of the peop things people will tell us is that, why does God let bad things happen to people? Well, the answer is real simple. Man's a sinner. Man's a sinner and we have free will. Could God stop everybody from doing all evil? Absolutely he could. Even us sitting here in this room wouldn't want that to happen though. 
Because to do that says that we have no free choice. We were going to be made to do the right thing all the time. That is the only way he could get rid of evil, is to make us do right. <laughs> because anytime I choose to do something wrong, there's a chance that somebody else will be harmed. <laughs> innocent or non-innocent, there's a chance that somebody else will be harmed. God uses our free will to allow us to choose him. Then we walk in the spirit and we will make better choices and, and good, better choices as we go along. Doesn't mean we won't make any bad choices. No, we'll still make bad choices. But his grace will cover us. His grace will forgive us. He'll give us mercy. He'll allow us to go forward. But we will not do this. In the verse 17, I love it at the end, ye cannot do the things that you would. When the flesh is ruling, you will not do right. Because the flesh will overpower. Very important that we understand this. And this is why I say, when we deal with sinners, I am not surprised when a sinner does something bad. And by the way, we're all sinners. It does not surprise me when sinners do bad things. Because that's what the flesh wants. That's what the flesh does. That, and that one truth, if you really grab hold of that truth, it's going to change the way you react to the people that are sinning. Because we react badly because somehow we expect them to do good. And when they don't do good, we get angry because they didn't do good. But if we expect that they're a sinner, am I going to be happy that they did, did bad? No, I'm not necessarily going to be happy. But I can now show God's love to them because they, who, they are who they are. They are sinners. And we need to learn to love people where they're at. Too many Christians want to try to, their way of evangelism, Quit your drinking, and then I'll teach you the gospel. <laughs> quit, quit your stealing, and then I'll give you the gospel. <laughs> That's not the gospel that God's asked us to do. He says, give them the gospel. <laughs> they accept Jesus Christ, or not accept him, but they accept Jesus Christ. He will put a new spirit in them, a heart of flesh, a heart of desire to serve him. The spirit will indwell them, and then he will work the sin out of them. And it's so much easier when you're trying to give the gospel that way <laughs> rather than hammering somebody over the head. You're, you're, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> That's never going to work. Because as I've said, and I know many of you are like me, if somebody tells me I cannot do something, the very first thing in my mind is watch me. You know, unless I have this in the back of my mind that, oh, it's not a really good thing. <laughs> you know, playing in the road might be a really bad thing to try to do. <laughs> But if somebody didn't try to tell me that it was a bad thing to do and just said, don't do it, I probably would say, why? And our kids always do, <laughs> as they won't go to play in the road. <laughs> yeah. But we need to understand, the gospel message is not get good and get, get deserving of God. It's come to God just as you are. Come just as you are. When we fail as a Christian and we backslide and we do things that are wrong, God says, come just as you are and be forgiven. Too many people go, well, I'm too embarrassed. People are going to make fun of me. They're going to think that I was wrong. They're going to hold it against me. Well, number one, who cares what other people think? Number two is my experience that usually doesn't happen. Satan is great about making us be fearful of things that will never happen. I talked about going to evangelism classes. And I can tell you the very first words out of 
people's mouth. What if somebody asks me a question I don't know? <laughs> Guaranteed, that's the first question. Or what if they ask and it comes up with some really bizarre, <laughs> off the wall <laughs> thing that after 40 years of giving the gospel out, I have never heard in my lifetime. I'm going, well, I don't think that'll ever happen. But if it does, <laughs> being asked a question that you don't know the answer to when you're evangelizing somebody is probably the greatest thing that can happen to you. And we've talked about this before. You go, I don't know the answer to that. That's a very good question. I will go find the answer. Can we meet again <laughs> tomorrow, next week? Can I give you a call with the answer? You just got two times to give them the gospel, <laughs> not just one. So the very thing that you fear the most <laughs> about sharing the gospel can really be the best thing that can happen to you. Because now you get a second time to talk to them. Maybe a third or fourth time. So fear. We've got to be so careful of fear. Satan's greatest weapon is fear. To get us to stop serving God because we're afraid of what might happen. The scriptures tell us perfect love casts out all fear. We've got the Holy Spirit to fill our mouth. We've got the Holy Spirit to guide us. We've got the Holy Spirit that will give us a second chance to witness to him again. We don't need to be bound up by fear. What is the absolute worst they could do to us? And, and I will say it's not martyrous. If they martyred us, that's the best thing they could do for us because we'd go to heaven. They might make fun with, of us. They might hurt us. Might physically hurt us as, as we're coming up to. That's the worst thing they could do to us. Then we take the apostles' attitude. Thank God I'm worthy of suffering for Christ. Which still isn't a bad thing. Christ died for us, and we should be able to say, thank God I'm worthy of suffering for him. So no matter what happens, it's still a short time. Life on this earth is short. We said in Sunday school, even if you live to be as old as the old patriarchs, a thousand years, life on this earth is short. What is a thousand years compared to eternity? It's not even a twinkle of an eye. <laughs> when we're out, in, you know, as it says in, in Amazing Grace, 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we, we've no less days to, to praise his name. 10,000 years, we'll look back at however long we lived on earth and say, oh, it's nothing. How about 10 million years? <laughs> 10 trillion years? <laughs> 10 Googleplex. <laughs> yeah. That's got a lot of zeros behind it. <laughs> yeah. And yet we're still not begun because eternity has no end. We have no problems with following God. Now this list of sins that, that Paul puts in here, I want to look at just a couple of them. He says the, the works of the flesh are manifest. And you know, we know when we see sinners, <laughs> we know when we're sinning, God has put it in our heart. He's put it in our conscience of what it is. He starts out with adultery. Now everybody knows what adultery is. That's having a fling with somebody who's not your spouse. Then he goes into fornication. And the interesting thing in the New Testament is in, when they use the word fornication, it is pornia. And it is, means any illicit sexual activity. And the list is any and all. So anything that you can think of that's not marriage is covered under that word, pornea. And so you want to be looking at this. As, so it starts out with the sexual sins. 
Then he goes into any uncleanness, impure motives. What did I do that made me look good and them look bad? And you know, that's really the way sin is so often. Let's do things that make me look good. I've got to look good. I've got to be, everybody's got to think I'm good. I've got to be better than everybody else. Satan's way of think, teaching and you've just got to be better than other people. Your good has to outweigh your bad and you'll be okay with God. So we start comparing ourselves. Am I good or am I bad? Usually the people that I've met that are comparing themselves aren't comparing themselves to the good people. They're finding all the bad people they can say, well, I'm better than them. I don't do this, this, and this. Well, how about these other people? But it still doesn't matter. God's standard is perfection. If we are not perfect when we stand before him at the judgment seat, he says, depart. Depart. We as Christians have Jesus Christ's righteousness on us, and we stand before God. He's going to say, there's my child, perfect child. Enter in. And it's not our perfection that we stand before him. We're standing before him with Jesus Christ's perfection because we accepted the gift of right of salvation. And we are clothed in Christ. The moment we are saved, he says, You are perfect. A decree from the bench of heaven says, You are perfect. And we have all talked about that. We know we're not perfect. But in God's eyes, we're clothed in Christ. We're perfect. We will spend our lifetime being sanctified, being made to be more perfect. And the moment we die, God will say, now you're perfect. Or we're raptured, whichever comes first. We will stand before God, perfect. So anything that is impure, unclean, anything that's lascivious, unbridled lust, some of us know people that are, have live in a way of unbridled lust. Whatever they want, they take. Gladly, there's not a whole lot of people that are that bad, but there are some people out there. He goes on to say idolatry. This is the worship of false gods and all that's involved in their worship. Now, we've talked a lot on Wednesday night, especially because we're going through Leviticus and, and Exodus about idol worship. In idol worship, almost every time there was a sexual component in idolatry worship. And this is included in idolatry worship, so he's given it out again. He says witchcraft. Now in the Hebrew, witchcraft is pharmakeel. It involves drugs and magic and sorcery, but it involves drugs to, that would be able to put people out of commission and be able to give them, take their inhibitions away. Same thing drugs do today when people take them. Mostly they take away their inhibitions, make them feel stronger or more open or more, more lack of uh, shame, taking the shame, shame away from them. Then he says, hatred, hatred, enmity. We throw the word hate around pretty easy, but hatred is really a strong, strong word. You know, in hatred, you don't want to see anything good happen to somebody. We as Christians should be wanting to love people enough that, that hatred should not be part of us. We should not hate somebody so bad that we want to see bad come to them. Matter of fact, in, in, Proverbs, in, uh, in uh, Proverbs in Study Friday, we were talking about how God says that if you rejoice over the calamity that comes upon somebody, that God will, might just take the calamity off them. 
He doesn't want to see us rejoice. We should not be happy when somebody gets what's coming to them. We should be happy that, they go, that they're brought to God. That should be our goal as Christians, to see everybody brought to the Father, brought to God as a Christian. I don't want to see anybody go to hell, and I hope that you don't, because if you want to see people go to hell, you don't understand how bad hell is. Eternity without God, eternal punishment, is not something we want to see anybody go to. Now, there are those who are going to choose it. They're going to reject Jesus Christ and not make him Lord and Master of their life and choose to go to hell for eternity. But it's not God sending anybody there. He's just giving them what they've chosen. Giving them what they've chosen. And the thing that should scare us in the scriptures is Jesus said that many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I? And they'll list out a whole bunch of works that are all good spiritual works. And God's going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Works are not what's going to get us into heaven. Coming to church is not what's going to get us into heaven. Teaching Sunday school is not going to get us into heaven. And you know what? Even preaching the gospel is not going to get you into heaven. Yeah. The Wesley, I can't remember whether it was John or, or, or Charles, but one of the Wesley brothers had been an evangelist for almost a decade, and he was crossing the Atlantic Ocean, and he realized that he, knew, he didn't even know the God that he was preaching about. He was an evangelist. Hundreds and thousands of people coming to Christ through his message. And he's going, I do not have the relationship with God that I'm telling people about. And he got saved. <laughs> he got saved. After spending decades of being an evangelist, he finally got saved. And then continued. It is possible to do everything right, to stand in a church and never have a true relationship with the God of the universe. And I can't tell you over the last 40 years how many times I've had somebody in their 70s or 80s come and come and accept Jesus Christ in their heart and say, I've never known him. I've known about him. I've known people about him. I've known facts about him, but I never knew him. Christianity is a relationship. We've talked about that it's not a whole list of rules and say, do this, don't do this. It is a relationship with him that we must have that relationship. And when we have that relationship, you'll know that you have it. You know, it's, it's that relationship that you have with your best friend, when that best friend calls, well, before the time of caller IDs, <laughs> and you picked up the phone and you heard their voice, <laughs> and you go, oh, hi. They didn't have to tell you, oh, this is Ralph. They recognized your voice as soon as you said hello. Why? They spent time with you. They knew you. You, you had a relationship. We need a relationship with the God of the universe. When he speaks, people go, how do I know when he speaks? You spend time with him, you know, who, you know his voice, you know when he's leading. If you don't spend time with him, you're not going to know his voice. You're not going to hear him when he speaks to you. He goes on to say beyond this, he goes, variances, and that's strife and contention. Have you ever met somebody that as soon as they walk into a room, all kinds of things go wrong? They just, they bring, bring all kinds of contention and problems. Then he goes, and emulations. Now, emulations is the idea of envy, contention, being envious of somebody. Scripture is full of verses saying that we are not to envy other people. We're to be content with what God allows us to have. doesn't mean we try not to better ourselves, but you know, envy is that idea of your best friend gets a brand new job, and you're going, why does, why does he have a job? Why didn't I get that job? That's envy. 
Yeah. I can't even be rejoicing for somebody who's good because I'm envious of what they got that I didn't get. That's not a good place to be. That's part of the flesh. Seditions. Seditions, dividing. Dividing people. There are so many churches that go through church splits because there's people dividing. Dividing. I don't like this. I don't like that person. I don't like what this teacher said. I don't like what the pastor said. I don't like what the pastor did. <laughs> and they end up splitting the church because they're dividing. Satan loves division. One of the things about the church that he loves is that the church has been divided so much. We've got Baptist and Methodist and Episcopalians and Lutherans and, you know, and this other church and that other church and some of the silly things that have been breaking up churches over the years. You know, early days, it was on something called transubstantiation. Did the, when you took the, the elements of the uh, Lord's Supper, did they really become his flesh and blood or not? Now, that's not a big deal anymore. <laughs> We don't really think about it, but that separated and split churches in its early days of the church. Now, some things that are splitting churches are probably pretty good. Are you going to ordain homosexuals? Well, the Bible says clearly that homosexuality is a sin and that they're not supposed to, sit, they're not supposed to be picking somebody who is living in a lifestyle of sin. Probably a pretty good reason to split your, you know, split away from a denomination that's saying, yes, we're going to do this. But you know what? Most of the church splits haven't been so clear-cut. <laughs> yeah. I've seen churches split over, they're getting ready to redecorate, and they, could, they, they couldn't figure out what color of the carpet to make. So they split the church up. There's dumb reasons for that, and it's all the flesh building out. I didn't get my way, so we're going to divide everything. All of it comes down to I didn't get my way. <laughs> I did not get my way in sin. Then he goes into heresies. Heresies are, are those teachings that are false. And there have been heretics all through Christianity. We've got the heretics right now teaching that homosexuality is good and that you need to accept it. We're also teaching that fornication's okay. You know, go, go shack up together. It's no big deal. The Bible doesn't talk about it when it does very clearly. You know, all these things that are out there that are being taught, heresies. The greatest heresy of the American church. <coughs> Follow this list of rules and you're gonna be okay. There are hundreds and thousands of churches in America that don't preach the gospel of Christ and they give you a bunch of rules. Do more good than bad and you're going to be okay. They're not following God. They're walking in the flesh. All of these things that are on this, envies, murder, drunkenness, reveling. And reveling is that whole idea of just going out and carousing. <laughs> you know, being boisterous, being loud. Usually tied with drunkenness. <laughs> um, you know, and God says that drunkenness is a sin. It's not a disease, it's a sin. And he says, the, and the such like, and he says, the which I tell you and have told you in times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom. I want to just bring that, that point out because there's a lot of controversy on this. And this word that says, they that do, is really one who is of such a character. <laughs> this is not saying that you went out and violated any of these things and all of a sudden you're going to be cast out of heaven <laughs> but if your character and you habitually do these things with no conviction no desire from the spirit to do anything else then you have to look and say am i truly saved do i know god am i is he in control of my life 
If I go out and I fail, and even if I have a habitual sin, but I get getting convicted and I have to confess it, I don't fall under that. <laughs> because my character is one that's in, in conflict. I've got the spirit and the flesh warring with each other. If I get to a place where the spirit and the flesh aren't warring, then I have to say, something happened. <laughs> something happened or has not happened, more correctly. I don't know God. I don't have the spirit warring against the flesh. That's where Paul's statement is, I do all that I don't do. I don't do what I want to do. Oh, woe is me. He was fighting. The spirit and the flesh were fighting. If you are having trouble with a habitual sin, then you need to talk to God and get victory over it. Yes. But as long as you're under conviction for it, you're not one of whose character is that. And you're headed the right way. And 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you'll look back and say, victory. <laughs> the Spirit gave me victory. But if you're doing something that you know is sin and you have no conviction, no desire to even fight against it, I'm going to challenge you. Talk to God and say, do I know you? God, do I know you? Am I in a relationship with you? And we're going to end there and just we're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your, your love and your care, Lord. Lord, we know that the spirit and the flesh are at war. Lord, if there is anybody in here that does not know you, does not know you in a relationship, we ask that they accept you right now. And if you don't know God, it's real simple. Just tell them, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I believe that you paid. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. That's all it takes. And then share it with some Christian. Tell somebody what you've done and, and get started on a walk with God. And we just want to thank you. And Lord, we ask that when we leave this place, you guide, you lead, you keep us moving in your spirit in all that we do. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll sing a 